Hello, WizKids, and welcome to another edition of Off the Bench. I know it's been a while. Jamoke Davis here, joined by, I feel like we got a new roster. I've never seen this before. <laughs> Zach Rosen, Chris Gehring, and our special guest, Eric Tebow, the Washington Mystics assistant coach. Thank you, thank you. Joining <laughs> us here on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, WizKids, our D.C. family out there. We look forward to uh, getting into some topics that we hope that you also find interesting. We're going to talk Wizards playoffs, of course, upcoming games, the playoff picture. And we're also going to get into some VR, some uh, NBA news about trying to bring in a female coach, and also our NCAA tournament brackets uh, and how they're doing. But let's first start with the Washington Wizards, who not only have clinched a playoff berth, but they have won their first Southeast Division Championship since 1978 and 79. Guys, I think that deserves a banner, right? A banner hanging in the rafters. Zach? I think so. I mean, that's longer than I've been alive. Definitely Chris, and I think <laughs> uh, Eric, <laughs> too. Jamoke? Yep. Yep. No, 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 I've been alive. All right. Well, <laughs> it's a long time, and the longest drought in U.S. sports, it, it deserves something, and I think our players agree with that. Yeah, I think there's no question. The way that they celebrated last night um, – you know, you could see how much it meant to them. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't earn them an extra spot in the standings or anything like it like it may have used to, but um, it hasn't happened in a long time. It's an indication of how well this team's playing right now, and it, there there couldn't be a better time for them to be playing at the level that they're playing at right now. I thought John's comments post game were were perfect uh, in terms of saying it is a, it is a big step for a team at, at this point in their development, but. Um, you know they got bigger, bigger fish to fry coming up soon, but yeah. that's that's a step. You know you have to go through those steps. They haven't they haven't been in the position where this is a routine thing. Hopefully it becomes that here in the next few years. Coach Brooks in the locker room joked that uh, they should bring out the goggles for this, huh? That would have been neat if they had actually Baseball brought style. them out. That's huh? right. No, no, no. <laughs> hate that. Not feeling it. <laughs> no, no, not for that. I, you know we we did this uh, when we when we were in the WNBA in Connecticut where we yeah. hit each one of our goals along the way. I think we did like a little so like we filled up a cup, had a sip, did a little celebration, and then we built to the okay you know, the bigger okay. I don't think you can go out all out for the for the was it five teams in a division. Yeah. I don't think you can go. All, I, I, don't, I don't like all the baseball wild card celebrations or anything. Three either. that are under five hundred. Yeah, I think they had a small like what like a small like water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, got, they got Coach okay. Brooks okay. pretty good, they but that coached, was about it. But that yeah. was then it was that was a good compromise. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, you mentioned Zach that this is the longest drought in all four major U.S. sports. That's pretty. That's pretty bad. But the flip side of that is that. You know, I've been here 10 years, and I was like, wait, you mean like in 04 and 05 and 06, we never won the Southeast Division once? And obviously in a moment I remember, but now I'm just like, we had to win one of those years, but it was Miami. Like, it's just, it's weird. It just comes with luck and also not playing well. And sometimes when you play well, other teams are great. I mean, Miami was very impressive from 04 until when LeBron left. The mm-hmm. Hawks have been a decent team for a long time. The Magic were great in the 90s and the yeah. early 2000s. It's Dwight just Howard sometimes Superman. how it happens. Yeah, and I think sometimes people forget, too, you know, the way that the kind of the transition of power, like you said, and maybe those Magic teams when Dwight Howard was really, really dominant in his mm-hmm. prime. I think some people really forget about how good those teams were, too. And, you know, they toppled LeBron at least once in the playoffs, and, you know, they were, they were really good. So Man, now I it's just, our turn, finally, uh, again. And, and read Zach Rosen's article on WashingtonWizards.com. Uh, the Wizards tied their win total from 2014-15, the most in franchise history since 78-79. But they did win 60 games in 74-75. I wish we could get to that number this year. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. 
Hey, if they get to 50 this year, that's a, that's a pretty great mark. Yeah. And, uh, another thing that hasn't been done in a really long time, obviously. So um, that's within reach with, with a couple of really good wins already on this trip. Um, so we'll see where they go from here. All right. So we'll we'll talk about the playoffs in general. They are going to be going to the playoffs. But before we get to that, let's talk about the road trip so far. They won at Cleveland on a back-to-back. Guys, I thought this road trip maybe two and three, one and four, and and here they are sitting at two and zero oh already. Um, what have you seen out of the team, Eric? We'll go this way. What have you seen out of the team so far? Well, in full disclosure, I haven't seen. Uh, I was telling you before, I haven't seen all the recent. But they did play. He, I was in Dubai. This that's what week. I was going to say. He was yeah. in Dubai, in Abu Dhabi, uh, which we'll get to later. So, but I will say the <laughs> Wizards Cleveland game was on. They had NBA TV. It was on at whatever four in the morning there. So I was able to catch some of it. Um, I think the biggest thing. I, I, I'm a big guy on on body language, and just you can see the confidence they play with. They expect to win these games now, and I think that's such a huge difference. And, uh, you know, especially for a team that's developing along, going and expecting to win those road games mm-hmm. um, is a different step from expecting to win at home. Um, and, you know, the crazy thing from, from what I saw is that I didn't think Cleveland played that badly. Um, you know, sometimes you go in, you catch a team sleeping at home. Cleveland's obviously in a little bit of a funk right now. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't think they played that badly in the game, and the Wizards, you know, just kept taking – they'd take a punch and they'd, they'd hit right back. Um, which is, I mean, that's a, that bodes well for you know winning mm-hmm. a playoff game where momentum swings against you and all that stuff. So um, I've been impressed in that regard. John, John, you know, obviously triggers a lot of that. It's been playing really yeah. emotionally, and um, but you know they've done it with different lineup combinations. I was watching uh, a little bit the other day when when they're playing small with Keith at the five, and mm-hmm. they've been able to win in different ways. I think that you know for for a series and depending on what your matchups are, that's huge. Yeah, it was an impressive win in Cleveland, and I think we found out a couple of different ways that the Wizards actually match up really, really well with Cleveland, and that they can, you know, Cleveland kind of by default plays small when Tristan Thompson's their big and they're in their center. When the Wizards can can match that with Keith, and, and when Keith's aggressive, that's helpful. But also when they're able to put a guy like Marchin or Mahimi down there, um, you know, Thompson's an active body; he's always going to be a good rebounder, but. When you have two guys that are just, you know, bigger and, and a little bit stronger, that that's an advantage for the Wizards. And and obviously, you know, Brad with twenty seven, John with thirty seven, mm-hmm. um, just an unbelievable game for John them. Was and amazing. that's something they did in Cleveland last year too. And it speaks to something that they've they've always said in that, you know, they're aware that the Cavs are the team that they have to chase, and and there's no question that they bring their best game when they play the Cavs. And um, you know, we'll see that that could be a potential matchup in the playoffs and it'll be really interesting to watch to me the guy that stuck out in both these games was Kelly Oubre Jr. Um, he's really just focusing again on being that lockdown defender and he knows it I mean he talked about it after the win in Cleveland and again last night I mean you could say that he, him almost by himself with John's help in that big stretch um, the last 15 minutes the Wizards outscored the Lakers 49 to 22 Kelly had nine in the fourth. Um, he had a huge game in Cleveland as well. It's just his defense is turning into offense. He's mm-hmm. guarding opponents' point guards, which says a lot about like what he's up to. He's up to the challenge. And, I mean, his emergence as the X factor gives them eight, nine, ten solid rotation players, yeah. which not a lot of teams in the East can say. He, yeah. makes, he makes a lot of those lineups work. You know, him and, and uh, Bogdanovich now, they give them – you, know, you can't play small very easily without having a bunch of good wings that can play and defend mm-hmm. especially. Um, I agree with Zach on that. Now they've got the Clippers. They've got Golden State coming up. They're undefeated against that Pacific Division. I don't know if that really matters to anybody, but it's still kind of weird. Maybe if they win these next two, 
that could be another record that they will <laughs> set in the history of this franchise, which would be amazing, especially against Golden State. But before we get to the business of basketball, if I could pivot just a little bit. You play coaching with the Mystics, Eric. You know what it's like to kind of be in the city for a little bit longer than just in and out. And the guys, which I am envious of them, get four days in L.A. What do you do with all of that tie? You just become a tourist? That's probably a good question for their for uh, what the coaches think they're doing and what those guys <laughs> are actually doing. Um, so like when we go, when we were in, we had some days in L.A. last year actually when we played out there. Um, and so you know you, you might give a like we went out a day early and you know you give, we had a day where we we actually took the team team to uh, Disneyland and stuff. Ooh. Now what they were doing past <laughs> nine or ten o'clock at night, I I, I don't want to <laughs> know really. Uh, you're better off not knowing. But, um, you know, I think I, I always feel going out west is a little easier than coming home uh, just with the time change and how it works out and everything. But I think those guys would rather spend those days all in one spot and yeah. you know, get settled into a hotel room. I saw they were doing yoga and all sorts of stuff out there. But, yeah. uh, yoga you know, on it's the roof. not especially with Chargers, it's not as hard. That travel is not as cr- I mean, it's crazy for them because they play so many games. Um, but, you know, I think they'd rather hit them back to back like they're doing than have to go sacramento come back and, yeah you know, yeah re- resettle in so i don't th- i think it actually works out pretty well for him i remember two years ago we stayed in new york for four days it was great brooklyn knicks it was awesome and how about yoga you guys know how to do downward dog right <laughs> namaste yoga is really important yeah. this like this late in the season i mean just to stay flexible some of our guys have a lot of miles on their legs right now i mean our starters have played the most minutes by like 400 which mm-hmm. is a lot it's definitely a modern statement, by the way, that yoga is really yeah. important this time of the season. That's not one you would have heard 10 years ago, probably. <laughs> yeah. and, the, and the con- Oh, go ahead. You finish your I thought. I was just going to say, yeah, I know like Alonzo Mourning was one of the first people to really advocate for yoga mm-hmm. um, um, 10, 15 years ago, and I think that it's becoming part of the culture of the NBA. Is like you don't need to practice if, you, if you're playing well. You need to keep your body fresh, more importantly. And the funny thing, though, or the, the commonality here is Naveen – was sure. the trainer for the Mystics now the trainer for the Wizards? Did, did did he always try to do these different kind of ways to keep the players' body in shape? Yeah, Naveen was always good for just kind of being willing to learn something new and try something new. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, they have a full staff down there that has done a good job. They really seem to have a good chemistry among their training staff. And them, you know, we were talking with our trainers earlier that the biggest, the hardest thing for a trainer, sort of like for a coach, is that. Not only do you have to be good at your job, but the players have to trust you. Yeah. And I think all of them, all of our players certainly trusted Naveen, and I think all those Wizards guys do too and, and the rest of their staff. So that, that helped, that allows you to maybe have players try some stuff they weren't comfortable <laughs> with before. If, if they, you know, if they have a good feel yeah. for, you wouldn't make them do something that yeah. wasn't good for them. Shout out to Naveen, Naveen. and he also makes good sandwiches, as My you boy. saw from the Boyan <laughs> video. <laughs> he makes good sandwiches. Okay, so now they do have the Clippers tonight and then uh, at Utah and, and then Golden State. What do you guys think looking forward about these three games? Well, f- well, first of all, I think, you know, kind of alluding back to what we were just talking about is having a little bit of a home base in L.A. for a few days and kind of getting settled. Um, it's a little – I mean, it's not like playing at home. But back-to-backs for this team have not been as huge of an issue as you may as you may have thought they would be for any team, and for, as they certainly are for plenty of teams. So um, the back-to-backs don't seem to be – you know, huge issue. They've they've main they've done some maintenance certainly, and so obviously the Clippers bring plenty of different challenges. They're an athletic team. 
they're a skilled team. Um, they can they can beat you in a, in a multitude of ways with, you know, Jordan attacking the rim, mm-hmm. Red X shooting from the outside. Um, so they're a problem. But from a from a focus standpoint and and from a um, upkeep standpoint, you know, I, I, the way that these teams played so far this year, I'm not really too concerned about that factor. Certainly, the Clippers are a good team, but I would say the first game that the Wizards played like they are right now to get on this huge run I think they're 40 and 15 in their last 55 games was the win over the Clippers in December yep. in mid it was a home game about a I think it was a 330 start it was early in the home winning yeah. streak, right yeah yep. it was early in the home winning streak the Clippers had all their guys before Chris Paul got hurt before Blake Griffin got hurt and the Wizards just put together a complete game for probably one of the first few times all season against a great team and I think that they're, the Clippers might remember that a little bit. But yeah, this is a very winnable game, especially with what Chris talked about. I think being in L.A., it's like kind of being at home when you, you stay somewhere for like four days, especially with the comfort that they're in. Um, this is a definitely a winnable game, but I think the tougher games are coming Friday and Sunday. I mean, the Warriors won't have Kevin Durant again, and the Wizards played pretty well against them at home. Not mm-hmm. too long ago, but Utah is a team that causes some real trouble. At it's like home. you sleep on Utah, you're like eh, it's Utah. Yeah. Always a tough it's place just, to yeah. go. Has been yeah. for going yeah. way back. Yep, it's a tough place to go in there. Well, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but um, they also just play their brand of basketball is just much different. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gave us it gave us fits. The Gobert rapport, yeah, as I like to right. say. That's right. <laughs> and the and the thing is, um, when you talk about the Clippers, I remember after that game here, John Wall was so pumped. He's running up the side of the court trying to get the fans excited after the game, talking about how this is our house. Yep. We're here, you know, we're we're a team to be reckoned with and, and I'm sure the Clippers remember that too. No question. I think if I was Scotty Brooks looking at this schedule the rest of the way, regardless of the the outcome of these next three games, I think it'd be a check for I want to see where we're at against contending teams, because um, you know they're going to come home and they're not they're not playing bad teams by any stretch with Charlotte and Miami and Detroit, uh, but these are the three you know the la- they're kind of last check before the playoffs of okay what how gotcha. are contending gotcha. teams going to measure us up and you know every coach gives you that one game at a time look and that's <laughs> what I'm sure what he's saying you know they're probably focused on tonight but. If I were, I'm, I'm sure he's curious. How do we met? You know, what flaws or what what are we gonna have to fix that it might get exposed by these teams that maybe won't get exposed by, you know, the teams that come in here the last ten days of the regular season. Wow, I can't believe it. I mean, they they had the hardest schedule uh, in March and April the rest of the way, and I think yep. they they've. They stood up to it so far. I mean, it's yeah, been amazing sure how they continue to, to win. Okay, so now we look at the playoff picture. If the playoffs started today, the Wizards would have home court advantage playing the Milwaukee Bucks. So we don't have to focus on Milwaukee, but between Milwaukee, Indiana in seventh, Miami in eighth, Chicago in ninth, and Detroit, which team are you like, I want to play that team? I want to play that team, and for travel's sake, for those of us that travel, <laughs> which city do you most? most want about to what, go what city to? is the best restaurant? <laughs> yes, yes, Eric, you can start. Be ready. I think a lot of the. I don't think there's a huge amount of separation between those teams. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know that I would love to play um, Miami. Actually, of all people, I think uh, you know, depending partly on Whiteside's health, um, I think he just. They present maybe a challenge that some of those other teams don't with Dragic and, and Whiteside, and they've been playing you know good ball now for an extended period. I think if I was looking at matchups, I think I might most want to play. 
I can almost say I can almost see Milwaukee wanting to play Milwaukee. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is just my personal opinion. I don't have any <laughs> insider knowledge here. Uh, just because I think that you know I think they're a little bit of a team with with their limitations shooting the ball that you can lock into uh, in a series and maybe expose some of the that you don't on a night to night quick turnaround. You're on a back to back. You know you don't you don't maybe get to do the same things against the team as as if you have a few days to sit down and plan for them. Um, and expose some of their limitations a little bit more. Atlanta's kind of been through the wars. Indiana's been through the wars with with Paul George. Um, those teams would scare me a little bit more. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say that Paul Paul George and his experience and his talent concern me most. I think out of those things, Milwaukee. You know, certainly this would be kind of their. I mean, it would be their first rodeo for a lot of these guys. And so while they have like you know like as many people say like the unicorn that is Giannis. Yeah. Um, I think in a seven-game series right now, um, you know, you can't forget that that Brad and John, March and Otto, you know, they they have been through this before. You know, last year was a tough year, but they've been through this playoff, um, this whole playoff thing before. I don't think that they'll be, you know, concerned or phased by the moment. I think they'll be ready for it, and certainly the way that they're playing um, suggests that as well. And so I think, you know, Paul George and, the, and a veteran team in Indiana would probably be the would be the biggest concern out of all of those. Yeah, I agree with what the other guys said. I mean, those those five to eight spots are going to shift so much <laughs> yes, the rest of the are, way. It's, <laughs> it's tough yeah. to look at. Atlanta is dealing with such horrible injury mm-hmm. injuries right now. I, they, they're like one in eight when Paul Millsap doesn't play, and he's just such a glue guy for them. I think um, the Bucks just present kind of the unknown. They're going to be really happy to be there and yeah. have no pressure on them. And that's true. Being a part of the Bucks fan base most of my life before I moved out here. That team worries you the most? Yes. Wow. Definitely. Excellent. They okay, have no okay. pressure on them. I think the Pacers are have a ton of pressure on them. They I mean, do. Paul yeah. George yeah. Won't, seems like he's not happy there. The coaches the coaches knew, but I mean, he's just not having success with the pretty talented roster. But Miami also doesn't have as much pressure, but I think people are noticing Miami more now than Milwaukee surge. You talk about a coach mm-hmm. there in Miami that's won wow. a bunch of playoff series yeah. early yeah. in yeah. his career, too. That's true. Miami is a team that scares me the most, too, especially because when tough. they played at Miami last time and got blitzed, yeah. I mean, the Wizards just look like they just couldn't hang with Miami. It's like, this team isn't even a playoff team, and now look at them there, right. eighth seed. Uh, I always go by places where I have family and friends, <laughs> so Miami, Chicago, and Atlanta are the three teams cities i'm like i want to go to one of those three to go reconnect with well, people, april in milwaukee it's you know <laughs> january somewhere else so maybe hold <laughs> off on that one that's right. maybe hold off on that it's one beautiful how come that how come tzatziki sauce didn't work as a nickname for the greek freak i think that the, the nick, his nickname would be tzatziki, tzatziki sauce Probably because Pro- of what Eric yeah, said. Yeah, because the fact that we just had to ask. <laughs> probably uh, the they call him the that. alphabet on the radio there, <laughs> which is a good one. Yeah. Most of my friends just called him Greg for a long time. They didn't know how to pronounce his name. Greg, that's awesome, <laughs> Giannis. That well, team is going to be scary in the playoffs, I think. Yeah. With the all-star voting, people couldn't spell his name either. I mean, yeah. he still obviously is the old paper ballots that would have really right. hurt him. <laughs> that's yeah. right. That's the right. old paper ballots. That's, that's awesome. Right. Okay. Um, so if we can – Stick in basketball, but a couple of topics that have come up that I've uh, that I found interesting, and I want to get your guys' perspective on it. Um, virtual reality. The Wizards had a virtual reality game here. Um, 
there's been talk of Next VR doing more virtual reality games. Uh, Zach, shout out to Zach Grimm gave showed me a Reddit post where all of these people talking about how they love VR, it's where it's going. Uh, we use Striver VR, Next VR as I mentioned did the games. Theta they have some good products. Could you see as a fan? the game going towards VR that you would like that experience and I don't know because I know you all were working Eric you weren't did you did you happen to get to see that next VR Wizards game um, no I didn't I've seen uh, some of the stuff they've used like within their team okay uh, but I haven't seen the next the next VR stuff what do you guys think about it does it add to the experience from even from you seeing what we put on my mental sports network yeah. our little yeah. you know pre-game videos yeah i mean it certainly i i think it certainly can i mean the future of i mean so you know hd television was like a great you know revolution revo- revolution revelation um, revolution's good um and i think the next you know everybody's like wow well now i can watch sports in hd right at my home well, now I think the next step is as we're finding out, you know, being able to broadcast games in virtual reality, getting to the point where people can, you know, basically sit in a seat mm-hmm. in the arena and look around and watch a game. I mean, that's an incredible, you know, an incredible technology. Never, never mind the fact that it's an incredible technology for, you know, for coaches and for our players to, yeah. to utilize too. But um, it certainly seems to be like what's next. It's certainly a focus of the NBA. I know that a lot of league meetings and marketing meetings and stuff it's come up a lot and so i think there's certainly there's a focus on it and it's a great experience for the fans so this is what i thought would be interesting if you sold vr you pay 50 bucks 100 bucks you get to sit courtside you can watch the game in that view i feel like losing that seat would be worth it especially if you could sit next to Ted or you could see a little bit of the bench. Maybe that's too close. Maybe you have to put on the other side. But it puts you right in the action. Would yeah. you guys pay for that? Is that something that is an experience? that? Because I, I think it would be great because you get courtside. A team would get all of that revenue of everybody logging in to sit in that yeah. seat. I see that as kind of an end point once they figure out the steps to getting there. I was listening to Bill Simmons talk to Steve Ballmer, the CEO and owner of uh, the Clippers, or just the owner, whatever he is, uh, and he was talking about how he really wants to put um, VR on like Chris Paul and have someone watch a game as Chris Paul playing mm-hmm. all 48 minutes. And I think stuff like that is the next step. And I think it's it's interesting how the players, like our players, use it a little bit. I know Jan and Kelly use it. Um, but to really like see and be able to slow down what you're doing and observe what the players are seeing on the court, I mean that's the future. But in terms of watching a game from the from courtside, it it just really depends at what you've experienced already and how much you can afford and that kind of thing. I think you're asking the wrong people just because we're always <laughs> down there. But I think I think it's a cool experience, no doubt. I think we're inevitably heading that way, whether we, you know, whether we want to or not, because there's enough people with money behind it that are pushing yeah. it. I think uh, the battle is going to come, whether you can convince players and coaches that it's either not enough, uh, too big of an obstruction for them, mm-hmm. um, that it helps them in some way, that it's not, you know, just a tool that somebody's making money off of them. Uh, but if they can get past those kind of boundaries, and we, we've we use it a little bit right now. That's um, what my that was yeah. my next question. So we use it a little bit, but it's it's kind of like that point of all right. Do we get the value out of it that's worth the effort of you know setting it up to film it and right. and all that stuff? So once it once that tips, once the technology catches up a little bit more, where it tips to being 
easy to manage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you'll see a lot more teams start using it. Right now, it's like one more thing that a coach doesn't want to have to worry about setting up and planning. Yeah. Uh, but once that becomes less restrictive, or I think we're already kind of maybe on that divide right now, but once it tips, I think you'll see every team using it. And the, yeah. the, the Striver rig is several GoPros together. You can get six GoPros or ten GoPros. The next VR GoPro was a couple of red cameras, which was hundreds of thousands of dollars to make that VR. The Theta, as I'm holding up right now, an eraser, the Theta VR camera is about the size of an eraser, maybe a little bit smaller and lighter. So it's definitely going there. And I feel like if you were to move it, you know, courtside would be one price right next to the team bench. If it wasn't obtrusive, would be a higher price or whatever. But I definitely see it going there. Cameras on players, though. I, I, I mean, I could see it being used for people in the cheap seats who yeah. get a different vantage point than their than their current seat. I mean, okay. I could see it being okay. used that way, too. Yep. Yeah, and I th- and I love that I love what Next VR did, but I also want that 360, right? I mean, Next yeah. VR, you turned around because I put the camera and I went and the the gentleman let us come into the truck and look at it. You turn around and it's a big uh, scoreboard with stats, but yeah. to see that 360 view, I think adds definitely adds to it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say if you could imagine having, you know, League Pass now. You know, 15 years from now, if League Pass is all VR and you can sit and be and League sit in a Pass seat, VR. Yeah. You know, I mean, Get you can sit in a seat in yeah. any arena at any night. I mean, I have no idea what the price would be <laughs> of, of making that happen, but I mean, that's the kind of thing that could be possible. It'd be an amazing fan experience. And heck, like for a while, it was just you see the a flat diagram of where your seat section is. At least now you right. can log on and see right. a view from that from any particular s- seat. So yep. we're we're going there. So. Uh, another topic. Adam Silver wants NBA female head coaches sooner rather than later. Uh, a quote from him. There definitely will. And I think it is on me to sort of ensure that it happens sooner rather than later. He did an interview with uh, Am Young Masuk of ESPN.com. But you can also find an article on uh, NBA.com. Um, he says, I would make all the same points in terms of being a head coach in the NBA that there is no physical reason why women can't officiate in the NBA. I think it is more of a function of the fact that they haven't been in a pipeline to become NBA. He's talking about officials here. Yeah. But we do have two head coaches in, or two assistant coaches, excuse me, to be in a pipeline to become head coaches. Yep. Is this a big deal? I mean, because especially if you think about it, in many ways, the WNBA is more ahead of the curve than the NBA, Eric. I think it is a big deal, and I think um, you know talking to a lot of the, the female coaches who I'm close with on on our side of things, on the women's side, I think one of their big you've seen complaints over time about you know you have this big influx of men's coaches into the women's side, which mm-hmm. they're fine with, but there hasn't been the reciprocal ability for women's coaches to get into the men's game. So I think it's yeah. still a, a big issue. I think in terms of Adams, I think we're I think Becky Hammond's going to be a head coach before Becky I think, I think that's and, I think the, we already Abraham. know the answer to that question unless yep. there's somebody out there that decides you know a high profile women's coach to, to switch over um, but you know I think she especially with her turning down the, the job as the women's coach of Florida for I'm going to guess a lot of money yeah um, I think she wants yeah. to stay on that track um, but I think uh, you know it's something that our league is still trying to figure out too how to get former players who have an interest in coaching mm-hmm. in the door uh, mm-hmm. there's a limited number of jobs especially in our league whereas the NBA maybe they have a little bit bigger staff um, to figure it out, but I think I think we're just going to see. I think some current WNBA players um, okay. are great candidates to get into the men's I've, side. Ivory, Ivory, oh, you want Ivory in there? <laughs> I feel like she's going to be. I mean, she was already assistant coach at UNC. 
I think everyone wants to be a head coach in college somewhere. Oh, so okay. we'll see. We'll okay. see. Uh, we'll see how that one shakes out. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> a there's scoop some there. Yeah, a little, right. little scoop, a little down the road <laughs> scoop for you. Follow that one away. <laughs> but I mean, you think all right off the top of my head, I think somebody like you know Sue Bird would be a tremendous coach that would. I, you know, one thing we always say is that NBA coaches have tremendous respect for the WNBA, mm-hmm. like more than more than the average yeah. fan, more than women's college coaches, uh, which is kind of surprising. Um, we get you know. We run into NBA coaches on the road, and they know more about our team than just about anybody wow, else we talk to. Awesome. So they, they follow our league. I don't think that's going to be a huge barrier. I think you're going to need some people willing to you know take that chance and and maybe like Becky did, work themselves kind of from the mm-hmm. the ground up yeah. uh, into that job. And yeah, but I think I think there's I mean we had Kara Lawson here in DC who would be in, I don't know if she wants to do it would be a natural fit. Man, she she does everything. Yeah, Kara. Yeah, Kara. Coaching, playing. Got the camera. TV set up too yeah. good. Maybe she won't leave the studio. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, to, to build off that point, I mean, Becky Hammond obviously is the name that comes to mind. And Nancy but Lieberman the, with the Sacramento Kings right. is the other assistant coach in the yeah, NBA. But, yeah, but, I mean, like the – you know, the Spurs have, have long been, you know, looked at as this, like, model organization that, you know, they've won for an extended period of time. Greg Popovich obviously has – the respect of everybody in the basketball world and the praise that he has had for for Becky Hammond I mean you'd be I, I don't know how you argue with that obviously the Spurs value her tremendously mm-hmm. and um you know as as a coach you know full stop and so there's no question that you know that's 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 heading down the pike and it'll be great for the league it'll be great for the you know it'll be great for basketball Right, I mean, basketball is is basketball. If you just took, you know, looked at a resume and you said this person's been a, a high level player professionally, internationally, you know, they've been an assistant coach for, who's widely considered the best coach in the NBA. Uh, they've yes. got had a little bit of head coaching experience, coaching a summer league team. You know, what else would you? You know, you could say maybe a few more years experience. Becky hasn't sure. been in it that long, but yeah. other than the gender thing, what? There's nothing else on that resume that would right. cause you to, yeah. you know, yeah. shake your head. That's right. She won the summer league title with the yeah. Spurs too. I mean, she showed that she can take a team of young and experienced players in what's not an easy tournament um, and just showcase her coaching ability. It, it really shouldn't be a barrier. I think you guys hit on all the points, and we'll, we'll see a female coach in the NBA soon. I think that Adam Silver, I know he wants it, but I think he says he wants it because he knows it's going to happen. And I think mm-hmm. Becky is the perfect candidate to be the first to really break that barrier, which which will be a really cool moment in our history. Lauren Holtkamp is the only woman officiating in the NBA. Uh, Violet Palmer and Dee Cantor are no longer mm. referees, uh, just to show that other side. All right, uh, great topic. Uh, let's move on to the Washington Mystics. They went to Abu Dhabi and Dubai. Eric was on that trip. He is probably suffering from jet lag, but good enough to come with us. Good today. We'll see about tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> if you could talk about uh, a week. Is that your first time over there? What was My that first week time over like there. Man, with it was Ivory and Crystal Thomas? It was, uh, it was just an unbelievable experience. You know, I've never, I never had that part of the world as somewhere that was high on my list. Um, but it was just, I mean, the, the cities were great. The people there were great to us. Um, you know, they way more excited about basketball there than I kind of knew, oh, really? knew or expected. Okay, I mean, we had okay. pretty good turnouts for our clinics, and one of the things there is they don't have a huge local population, so you get expats from, from all over the world. Um, yeah. So we had, you know, at our camp, American kids, we had Lebanese kids, Turkish kids, 
Wow. Um, Saudi kids. I mean, we had you know Europe, European kids. So we had this this mixture. You know, most of them speak English, but mm-hmm. um, and for a couple WNBA players to be to have flown there to to work with them and stuff, it was just. Uh, I mean, that was a, that was a cool just to see the excitement of the people there for it was was really cool. What was their level of basketball? Experience. I mean, did you see a good shooter and dribbler, or were they really were like kind of learning the basics? No, most of the, most of the kids that were there, at least among the older kids, were yeah. people that had been playing. Okay. Um, okay. Some of the young kids might be might have been their first experience. They have some uh, some academies and s- stuff set up there, um, and some school teams. But also, I think. You know, as it was explained to us, they're looking for stuff that can be done inside in the summer months when it's 120 <laughs> degrees out. Uh, that that yeah, was really yeah, yeah. A, a thing yeah. for them. So um, they think it's a natural sport to, to grow in popularity there, uh, especially as, you know, you get all this international population into to, to Dubai, especially in Abu Dhabi, to a little bit lesser extent. And, and the touring of Abu Dhabi and Dubai, yeah. you went to the Grand Mosque. What was that experience like? Man, it was cool. I've been to a couple different mosques before, but nothing, uh, the sheer size of it and, um, man, just the, the, the multicultural, just the collection of people there to, to see it uh, was cool. And then we got to do the, the same day we went out and did a little desert safari. Um, Excellent. Which we had, you know. Have you guys ever done a desert safari? I have not. Zach no. and You've been uh, over there, right, Jamal? I did okay. go over there yeah. with the, the caps. Yeah, okay, with Peter Bondra. Yeah. I did. <laughs> it was pretty exciting. Uh, the Desert Safari was a lot of fun. It was it fun. W- it was and, great. Uh, yeah, we the the dune bashing. I yeah. it's called. Uh, I think. <laughs> Tried I doing think that holding a camera as well. I was trying to get footage and just jumping up and down. But Not Crystal, everyone. Can Crystal do that. Thomas at six five was just about ready to be out of that car by the time <laughs> we finally got to, uh, to where we were finishing up. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I'm glad you had a good time, and I'm looking forward to hearing what Ivory and and Crystal say about the trip too. Maybe we'll get them on the podcast. As you can yeah. imagine, those kids love them, and uh, yeah. yeah, especially Ivory since she's about their size. Yeah. Uh, and Fatima yeah. was there. Fatima she, was there. Fatima went been. through one of the clinics for she like did? two and a half hours. Yeah. What? She was wow. good. She's a good natural natural athlete. For yeah. those of you who may not know about Fatima, go to Monumental Sports Network. You can see the video of. Uh, Peter Bondra discovering her over there and bringing her over here for a Caps game and a Wizards game. It was great. And Etihad Airways has been a great legacy partner with us as well. Yeah. Okay. The the flight on Etihad, I must say, was was worth the trip. Was worth the trip alone. So, you know, I'll plug plug our sponsor there. What uh, movies did you watch? Free sponsor. (laughs) Or TV. I watched, I'll I'll say the best movie I watched on that trip was uh, Arrival. Arrival, really? Arrival. I did like that. Okay, I did like that. Yeah. Manchester yeah. by the Sea was good, but it kind of bummed me yeah, out for like the next oh couple days. Oh my god! <laughs> see, I can't. Oh, it did. Cause see, so okay, no inside, uh, inside. Not a joke here, but just I don't want to see the movie because everyone says the ending is awful. And Kristen Miles, who use, who works here too, she was like, "Oh, go see it." Every time she sees me, did you see Manchester by the Sea? So I don't want to see it, right, Eric? No, I liked it. I'd go see it. Oh my gosh! I mean, it had its like funny moments in there too. Yeah, but like, then, like two days, you're done. You're done. No, you don't I exaggerate. It's, it was good. I take it back, uh, Casey Affleck. It was good. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was good. If you're listening, Casey. If you're listening, if you're listening Casey. Casey Academy you Award winner, Casey. Did you guys see it? Chris, I haven't yet. No. No. Jeremy saw it. Yeah, I don't Jeremy have enough time. Jeremy said it was time. very good. He did. No, I don't. I don't have time for movies. That's why. 
I was going to uh-huh. say. Like, who has time for movies? Married to the game. Exactly. <laughs> All his life. When you got 14 hours on the flight, <laughs> you got no oh, you got time for a movie. Time. Yeah. Right. Okay. What I don't have time for is to pay attention to anybody's bracket because mine is done as we yep. shift to NCAA brackets. Is anybody's yep. alive? I'm I'm alive. You're alive? Yeah, exactly. With two. Gonzaga and North Carolina? Yes. Because I was separate, not going to say Oregon. Separate, uh, separate groups. I have North Carolina winning. And the other one, I have Gonzaga winning, so I feel pretty good about it. It's wow. all about who you pick at the end, okay? Yep. as I've learned, because the rest of my bracket was not great. Yeah. Um, but since all these upsets happened more in the Elite Eight, Sweet 16, I uh, ended up with those two in these brackets, so hopefully it pays off. Yeah, as a Louisville grad, um, you can Louisville. just take a guess at how mine went. <laughs> and uh, Duke, Arizona, UCLA. So all done. I'm all, I'm all out. I'm done. I'm actually gonna win. Uh, oh my god! No, no, no! God. Hold on. You okay, 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 okay. I'm gonna win the sombrero prize for finishing oh. dead last <laughs> okay. in my bracket. So, yeah, poor showing this year. Poor uh, really bad. It was a tough year. I mean, we'll try again next year. The thing is, I don't want to read or pay attention to anything because I had North Carolina all the way, and then I started reading everything. Like they lost to Duke in the NCAA tournament. Own I mean, your the picks, Jamoke. Uh, Jamoke, own your picks. I have to just own them. I said Kansas. I pick Kansas. Well, that's and your first mistake. <laughs> the more you read, the worse it is. Yeah. Mizzou is by by the way winning the month of March since we uh, hired a new coach and we're landing the number one recruit in Michael the country. Porter. Just yeah. let everybody know, okay. Mizzou is, okay. is winning the month of March. Yeah. If case you didn't know where Eric went to school. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but let's talk also about the women's bracket and how you can celebrate in that, even though UConn will win it all based on Elena Deladon's bracket. Yeah, so my sister, uh, my sister Carly, coaches at Mississippi State, who made just made their first ever Final Four. Congratulations! And they, uh, they're awesome. it Huge is very congrats. cool, um, and they're rewarded with uh, a game against <laughs> UConn on Friday night. Great present. Um, but hey, there's no uh, no pressure on them. You no, know, yeah. they they uh, they played That's UConn right. in the Sweet 16 last year and lost by 60, which I'm sure they're sick of hearing about. <laughs> so this is her first year there. So you know, first year they go to the Final Four and they get another shot at UConn. So. I think she should ask for restructuring of her contract since it really was Carly that helped them get there. I think that's a very bold move on her part. (laughs) (laughs) Jamoke is all about power moves. Power moves, (laughs) strike all the iron is hot. That's right. No, so it's it's been really cool to follow along with that. We were were up at 3 a.m. the other day trying to follow along on the game. uh, So wait, when you were up at 3 a.m., did you, was it on television or you were just online trying to keep up We were online trying to watch it. The men's games were on TV. The women's games were not – but we were just trying to follow along and th- shoot the game went overtime and I was finally able to, when I got home last night uh, able to sit down and watch it so so do you uh, just watch the games or are you spending way too much time analyzing the game giving Carly notes your dad the two of you comparing what's going on I'm generally not giving Carly notes unless she asks okay, uh, okay. But, I, but it's hard to turn it off when I watch you know I'm obviously thinking thinking strategy and what I do against against certain teams and uh I think my dad, he'd probably tell you he doesn't give notes either, but he can't help himself. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys watch together on, like, almost all – well – all opportunities to do so when it um, comes to like Carly's some, team. Sometimes yeah. I don't know. It it, uh, it kind of depends where we're at. Um, yeah. And you know, Carly's uh, fiance is actually also a coach as well, um, or ha- you know has yeah. has been a D one coach. So she probably gets it uh, enough <laughs> advice. If, if she needs advice, she's got plenty of people to to go to. So um, now, yeah, sorry. Okay. No, you finish your thought. You're okay, so you're not just watching the games, but you're obviously scouting too when you think of the Mystics and sure. what's going to happen for the draft. 
So is the tournament that much different for you? Are you even able to really enjoy it, or everything is business? I would say it's business first uh, for us, but I think it's been a, a good tournament on the women's side, a fun tournament. Unfortunately, there's been a couple bad injuries um, mm-hmm. as they've gone along. But, um, no, I would say we've been able to enjoy it from, from the Mississippi State perspective, from my sister's perspective um, especially. But, you know, we're always – we don't go a day really without talking about the draft. And, you know, we're sitting here with the sixth pick right now and trying to figure out who's going to be there. Um, mm-hmm. It's the first year where there's been a lot of juniors who are eligible. Uh due to their age or yeah. standing. Um, so that could really change. So we've been trying to figure out, watching a player that's a junior thinking, oh, we might have another year to see him, and then all of a sudden we find out on Monday that they're, that, available. That they're available or that it could change the draft. So I always get a little wary of basing too much on an NCAA tournament. Like we've watched them throughout the year and throughout their careers. Uh-huh. You know, if somebody has a good two weeks, that could maybe skew your judgment a little bit. you got to kind of trust what you've seen all along and, and you know part of it is being able to rise to an occasion in the yeah. big game but that's not the whole picture which is interesting because to kind of talk about the nfl why do we need a co- what's the point of the combine what's the point of bringing players in to work out to see them because realistically what you want is to see them in the game right it's a justification for a lot of the scouts to say <laughs> oh this is our guy see or no we can't pick him this is why i think more so but because it's definitely not the trip. Because I'm not going to Indiana for a vacation. Right. <laughs> well, in football, yeah. it's all about if they're they have this athleticism, you can figure out the right spots, play them. And I think there's just more players. But I think it's a lot about justification for them. And because you, you learn most of it in the game, right, Eric? Yeah, we we actually go, like to go watch a lot of practices during Ooh, the year. Um, okay. See how they respond to coaching, how they are around their teammates. Um, so we watch a lot of practices, probably as much as we do games. But uh, yeah. combine, I think the best thing we we you know we do. The league doesn't run a combine, but there are some like third-party combines mm-hmm. that are run at the Final Four. And uh, when you see, a p- go ahead. I would say we're always interested to see the players that maybe are in a smaller conference, um, or you know, were played out of position or played in a style that we don't really think is similar to ours. To see how they are then in a combine where they, they are combines, they actually play up and down. And play some scrimmages, so we might okay. you know see somebody in a different context that yeah might yeah. be more similar to how we play. Okay, there you go. I imagine that a player would be kind of nervous if you're walking in and watching their practice. It's like, yeah, let's see how you respond. The, one, the, watch the ones that uh, notice, the ones <laughs> that the ones that have enough awareness to put two and two together. You wear a disguise or no. plain clothes? <laughs> nope. Sometimes we sit up uh, sit up out of view, but ah, other than that, you okay, know. okay, there you go. All right. Well, uh, the Mystics are gearing up, ramping up for the regular season. Uh, the Wizards are ramping up for the playoffs. I just want to get this plug in. Tickets for the Washington Wizards first round playoff games presented by WGL will go on sale to the general public on Wednesday, March 29th. Hey, everybody, that's today. It happened right. already at 1 o'clock. Tickets are available by calling 1-800-745-3000 on WashingtonWizards.com and at all Ticketmaster outlets, including the Verizon Center box office. So... Uh, I am looking forward to the playoffs. I know you all are, and all of the Wiz kids out there, go and buy your tickets to the first round because the Wizards are in it, and we have home court advantage for the first round, games one and two. So it's exciting. Nice Hope to have that luxury to have oh a little time to sell man. playoff tickets and oh yeah. know that oh you're going to yeah. be at home. That doesn't happen about that? too often. That's all right. right. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed Off the Bench with Chris Gehring. And Zach Rosen and special guest Eric Tebow, Washington Mystics assistant coach. I'm Jamoke Davis. Ciao for now.